Thank you, uh, Will Taylor, for being here. Um, This is the Terminal Exchange, and we have some really exciting things to talk about today. Yes. Um, Before we get into um, kind of the story of your your health journey, just a little background. Um, Where are you from? Uh, uh, Born and raised Flint, Michigan. Okay. Um, Yeah, born and raised Flint, Michigan. My mother and my father. uh, Father's from Mississippi. Mother's from Georgia. Um, Okay. But they're they're no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, um, I moved to Kalamazoo, um, and then I worked for uh, another company in Ann Arbor, a tanker company, and uh, they were laying off. So I um, went to work for Dart Transit, and mm-hmm. I worked for Dart Transit. I was not happy with them, so I started researching and looking at other companies and I found Nussbaum and I'm okay. here. So now I live here. I live in my truck. Um, obviously I'm a road warrior and uh, you know, when I take time off, I just come here and I just yeah. stay at the Holiday Inn when I yeah. take time off. But most of the time I'm on the road a month and a half, two months at a time. Okay. So yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah so a road warrior, maybe, I don't know if everyone would know what that is, but it's essentially where you're out for at least what three, four weeks at a time. Yeah. Or, or, or in my or longer. case longer. Yeah, yeah. 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 How long have you been living in your truck? Ooh, since 2017, I worked for Dart Transit and um, I was going to uh, lease a truck with them and I leased a truck with them, but I, I decided to let my apartment or pay my apartment lease off and live in my truck because if it didn't work out as a lease operator, I didn't want to have a lot of overhead. Uh, so, sure. um, and a lot of financial responsibilities if I did, and I'm glad I did that. So ever since I did that, I kind of just gotten used to it and, um, you know, um, adapted, I yeah. guess, and to that lifestyle. So and it worked for me. I paid off a lot of bills and I paid my car off and, uh, and I'm decided to use that as to retire early. My goal, my goal is to retire early. <clears throat> okay. I don't want to, you know, work till 65, 70 years old. I don't want to do that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, and ever since then, that's all I've been doing, just saving money and mm. paying bills and, and um, yeah. And saving for my future. Mm. So, so is it okay if I ask how old you are right now? I'm 56. I'll 56. be 57 years old, December 2nd. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, of course it's okay. <laughs> you never <laughs> I know. know. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Sometimes it's a sensitive. Right. Um, one of my just like icebreaker questions I have on here is, what is something that makes you feel old? What is something that makes me feel old? Like maybe if you think of a TV show or if somebody. I guess if I, if I mentioned to maybe a younger person about a song or something like that, you know, like, oh, R&B song or something like that, like, what? What is that? Yeah. It kind of makes you feel <laughs> not, not, yeah, yeah, it kind of makes you feel old, like I'm getting too old. Or, um, or if I haven't seen, like, a nephew or a niece in a long time, and then I see them and they're, like, grown, I'm like, man, you, I feel old. Yeah. You know, because they've. You, last time you seen on there, you know, now all of a sudden they're up there like mustache and hair, <laughs> or, or you know, long, gorgeous hair or something like that. You're like, my God, you've grown so big. Yeah. Make me feel old. You know, I yeah. always say that all the time. <laughs> not too many, no, not too much, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are good examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just a little bit about family. What was family like growing up? Oh, my father, a uh, very hardworking man. He worked as a, a for a vending company, um, IMA Vending out of Flint, Michigan. And then he started a lawn care business. So we started working very young, at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he instilled in me value of, of saving money. Uh, I, I have a little story I'd like to tell you, but sure. um, so my, so we had a lawn care business, and when I got old enough, maybe 10, 11 years old, uh, <laughs> um, he, 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 I got my first bank account then, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he taught the value of saving money and stuff like that. And um, so we had, my father had an apartment complex that he, we did. We had a, a, a mobile home park, and okay. we had a cemetery. Wow. And matter of fact, he only had lawn wars uh, when he had the cemetery, uh, when we got the cemetery. So he did a bunch of lawns, we, you know, like maybe an acre, acre and a half lawns. Mm-hmm. We had 15, 20 lawns throughout uh, Michigan, uh, Flint, Michigan. And then he, he went into the big game. He, he, he went into uh, this cemetery. He got the cemetery that we would cut, and I, it had to be maybe 15, 20 acres. But he didn't have a tractor. We only had me, my brother, and my father mm-hmm. to cut the grass. So then he, he um, brought on my cousin, uh, was it two cousins? Yeah, Diane and Mary, and he bought two more lawnmowers. And his plan was to cut the cemetery and then have the money that he made from the cemetery and buy a tractor. But that day we had to cut the whole cemetery by lawnmower. And it took us from six o'clock in the morning till about seven o'clock that night to finish that whole lawnmower. That uh, unbelievable, I I just think in my head as this, I was maybe 15, 16 years old, like why would this man do this, you know? (laughs) And we're all, you know, kind of laughing about it, but it was kind of fun, but it was hard work. And, um, then so on so wait just paint a picture of this so you each have your own lawnmower we each have our own lawnmower and you're all going down the individual roads so what my father would do is he say okay i need some under the fence line then you're going to do this so one person would be about two feet behind that person and then another person would be here and another person would be here so we all went along this way and the reason why he had us at an angle i realize this now as an older is so if there's anybody that's out of alignment that's not that you know you miss you have to come over you have to follow this line here to get this so there's no straggles or there's no it's everything a smooth cut okay very smart man when it came to lawn care it was, <laughs> it was something else as a matter of fact my i have a, um, an uncle that was a, um, a professional baseball I'm getting this right okay. um, professional baseball player and uh, when he retired he went into the lawn care business because of what he learned from my father wow so um but yeah so we cut that so we cut the whole thing and then when we got the majority we would he would have us go and then, you know, kind of cut back this way and then kind of back this way. So mm-hmm. we have maybe a three or four acre cut and we would just go into the middle. And then once one lawnmower was able to do that little strip, then the next group would go to the next section and start that section. And then when this person finished, they would catch up with us and do that. Then we worked all the way around and most of the, sim- the tombstones were in the middle. And so he had a, a, a weed whacker a grass trimmer like that so he would go into the cemetery he cut around that tombstones and everything cut that up and then once we got done with all the big stuff the last part to do was inside of the cemetery so when we got close to that he took a couple people away from that and this 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 you know wow. so, yeah and cheap cheap man it only paid us ten dollars to do that yeah it was uh he, he yeah so um we would get paid a dollar 25 per lawn and we would get Ten dollars for doing that, the apartment complex, and um, the mobile home park. And he would, we would do most of the lawns. Would do the big stuff would be done every two weeks. So we didn't. So he would do, we would do the apartment one week. You do 
uh, like the apartment and the mobile home park uh, every two weeks and then the cemetery every two weeks. So you always had something to do. And we would do Thursday and Friday would be the big stuff. Mm -hmm. And the weekends would be the lawns inside the city. So we worked very hard. No cartoons, days, only time we did. We used to get so excited when it rained. <laughs> on a Saturday, if it rained, if we woke up and it was raining on a Saturday, me and my brother, we just rejoiced because we knew we were going to cut the grass, we are going to watch cartoons, you know, we're going to enjoy, we're going to be a kid that day, you know, we're not going to be a grown man <laughs> So, yeah. What was the like cartoons you'd really want to watch? Oh, um, Captain America, Spider-Man, I was back big in the Marvel. Okay. I loved it. I'm still in the Marvel now. Yeah. I, 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 every, I have every episode, every everything, Batman, some DC okay. uh, comics, but um, it was... Um, Looney Tunes, mm -hmm. um, Marvel, it would be Captain America, um, Iron Man back in the day. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah, Looney Tunes mostly, Captain America, stuff like wow. that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So you had to cut the cemetery how many times before you actually guys the, got the, the, the tractor, tractor? Once. Oh. Just cut that, and then the next the next time we had a brand new tractor. Okay. Yeah, and then, uh, then it became the competition of who was riding a tractor. So my father was riding it first and then he taught us how to how to use the tractor. Yeah. And so now you got a choice. It was just me and my brother then. We had just used my cousins just for that day. Mm. So it was always mainly me, my brother, and um, my father. Mm -hmm. And um, so one, we would alternate driving the tractor. But mm -hmm. if we weren't good that week, if we didn't do it, we had to do everything by lawnmower. So we all that was an initiative for us okay. to do in good school, to do good in this, to yeah. do good in that. So um, and be uh, uh, behave and you know do everything. So and, and my mom, she was a um, she was a housewife. She she didn't work too much. Um, so it was mostly my father, and we did that. Uh, he would do that, and we would do the lawn care with him and go to school. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we would. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we just had regular school. Then when we got out of school, Thursday and Friday, we knew we was going to um, do lawn care. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that really that really instilled in me hard work. And my father used to always tell us that um, when you earn money, you have it's, it's yours to do what you want to do. Don't steal. Don't rob. Don't do anything mm -hmm. like this. Because if you do that, you're always going to have somebody you're always going to be looking over your shoulder, wondering who's watching you, wondering who's on to you, wondering this, you know. Um, so, yeah, he would always tell us that. I remember, um, so before me and my father, before me and my brother started working with my dad, you know, they used to buy school clothes. Mm -hmm. I hated the school clothes my mother used to buy. They were called Granimals. You ever heard of Granimals? See, now yes. I feel old. <laughs> um, so Granimals were this... Um, you, you buy the shirt and you buy the pants, you match the tag. So it would be zebra or giraffe or lion or bear or whatever. And when you pick the pants and it had the bear, you pick the shirt and that was that was supposed to be the match. And it was horrible. It was terrible. But my mother loved it. I don't know why she used to, why she used to do this. So anyway, so, and then she buy our tennis shoes and, and our sneakers and stuff. And it would be the cheapest, hardest plastic, most uncomfortable shoes to wear for gym and everything. And we didn't complain, you know, be appreciative of this. So every school year, you know, you go to school, go to back, back to school shopping, you go buy the clothes, you, and so we dreaded it. So we, my, me and my brother started working with my father, we would save money. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we used to get upset because my mother wouldn't let us use our, wear our new shoes when we got out of school. 
I think every child been through this. You know, mm-hmm. you get the new sneakers, you want to show them off to your friends, even though they was ugly and old, you know everything. You still wanted to show off. You had new shoes, so you wanted to go out. You want to play with in your new shoes. And my mother still said, "No, put your old shoes on." And we used to get so upset, so upset. And so um, my father told us, "said Well, you're making money, so if you don't want your mom to have control of what you." buy for school year what you want to wear when you're done with school. Now, he had a plan for this, and it worked. So, and you you buy your shoes, then, you know, you wear them, and, and she really can't tell you too much. I mean, they're still your mother, but, yeah. you, you know, you have a little bit of a granted. These are my shoes. I paid for them. I want to wear them, you know. And um, so we did that, and then the lesson that I learned was that the shoes don't last long if you always <laughs> work. And so we have to end up buying new shoes. And then my father told us, that see, that's why your mom doesn't want you to wear your shoes when you get out of school and you want to play in them because they don't last as long as if you just wore them to school. Do you understand now, son? I said, yeah. Can you buy me some new shoes, Dad? <laughs> no, I'm not buying you no new shoes, you know. And uh, so we had a nice little bank account. He, he taught us some values and everything. So um, And the work that he had us doing really instilled in me hard work mm. pays off, you know. Yeah. Um, with some life lessons along the way. But, yeah, yeah it, it it really taught us a lot. Hard work. Mm. Um, and I guess it kind of um, traumatized me too now because I'm a cartoon freak now. It's just like I, I, everything, I, I, I always, I, I got cartoon movies in my tablet. I got, uh, I watch cartoon, you know, all kinds of stuff because I didn't watch them as much as I did when I was mm-hmm. a kid. So, um, so yeah, it was a uh, life lessons and, and and now you don't have a lawn that anyone needs to mow either no no I, I, don't, I don't but i still remember how to do that good cut he would always teach us as a matter of fact when my father passed away that was one of my uncle's uh eulogies to him was that you know he remember my dad teaching him that overlap your lawn it may not seem important but it, it's important for good lawn care good, mm-hmm. my, my uncle said that at his at my father's funeral mm-hmm. you know he'll never forget when he retired, he was looking for something to do, and he remembered my father's, you know, business mm. and uh, like a second job. And he, my father coached him on a lot of things what to do. And it was very trivial that my father would say, "You want to make sure that when you cut the grass, you want to bring that wheel back over this way, so that you make sure that you have a smooth cut, that you're not leaving any drags." Mm-hmm. And right to the day, I'm still the same way. I did have a house before when I was living in Flint before, you know, and uh, I would be the same way. I would make sure that every that wheel went over that line so you had a line from the wheel and you made sure that that wheel was at least an inch mm-hmm. over that that line that was left over so you have a good good, yeah. good cut yeah you know so yeah oh. um so yeah it was pretty much my childhood until maybe 17 i think 17 18 i got my first job working as a dishwasher at chi chi okay and then i worked from there i made it all the way up to assistant manager from dishwasher there and so a lot of everything that I've done in my life is just remember what my father said. Mm. I never was afraid to work hard I, and yeah. um, not complaining. Yeah. You know, because um, um, jobs can get hard, life can get job uh, get hard, and but complaining doesn't make it the issue go away. Dealing mm-hmm. with the issue and and facing it, you know, and and moving forward, not running from it. Mm. Um, teaches you it, it just taught me a lot about, about you know value and integrity and you know discipline and just not complaining you know? yeah so, yeah yeah that's good yeah. thank you for sharing that yeah um so you started at new Spelman about three years ago mm, yeah three and a half years ago mm-hmm. yeah. okay 
And um, when you started here, what was, was that when like the health journey began? Um, no. Um, so how did the health, um, well, how did it start? Uh, 2020, I, I knew about diabetes. My mother was a diabetic. Okay. And uh, I remember her um, taking shots, insulin shots. As a matter of fact, a couple of times I would give her an insulin shot. I never really understood the diabetes. The one thing I did that was instilled in me, it was even in my mother from her, her doctor, was that it was chronic. It, you would never get rid of it. Once you become mm -hmm. a diabetic, you're always a diabetic. And I remember mom taking insulin. And then as as, as I'm kind of going up to, yeah. what, you know, starting up there. So my experience with coming up with diabetes, I remember not coming up with diabetes, but I remember um, back in 2004, I do remember someone, a doctor telling me that I was pre-diabetic or I was on the verge of being pre-diabetic, but I never took it serious. Mm -hmm. I never did. Uh, so I said, oh, okay, you know, but he never told me what to do or how not to be, let this become, you know, more serious or anything like that. He just said, you know, I think my numbers was 100 at that time. Um, and the safety um, range for uh, non-diabetic is 70 uh, deciliter as a deciliter or DSL, something like that, um, 70 to 100. Um, so if you do a blood sugar check, if you if you use the blood sugar meter, it goes 70 to 100 mm -hmm. is uh, normal, 100 to 199 is pre-diabetic, and 199 and over is diabetic. Um, so what was I at? Um, so I remember that. I remember my mom um, taking insulin shots, and then I remember she wasn't doing insulin anymore. And I, I remember. I remember asking her, this was years ago, I said, Mama, I haven't seen you take, because I wasn't living with her then. Yeah. And uh, when I went to go visit or something like that, she would take two shots a day. And then she wasn't taking any shots. And I would notice that. And I said, Mom, you're not taking insulin shots. She's no longer with us now. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, and she said, no, I'm not a diabetic anymore. And I said, you're not a diabetic anymore. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to question it. She knows what she's doing, but that's supposed to be life-threatening, you know? Yeah. This is, so... Um, so 2020, I had uh, blood work done and went, had a physical with my doctor. I have, you know, our DOT physical, and then I have I do a doctor physical at twice a year. Mm -hmm. so. And um, so in our phones, we get, you know, where is my phone? We get, I have the uh, My Carl app. It was called Roman Carl then, I think. And uh, you get your test results in there. And um, so I seen my doctor. So let me go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I remember my doctor, when I walk in the, in the office, he'd do the physical on me. He would say something like he put his hand on my shoulder, on my, on my side right here. He said, yep, you got a fatty liver. He checked my legs and said, yeah, you got swollen legs. I never asked him, what did you mean by that? But he never told me what mm -hmm. that stuff was. Now, I could have researched it, mm -hmm. found out more, but I, I kind of figured that maybe he would have said something to me as the cause of what this is. So anyway, I remember these things and I kind of shrugged them off. Okay, you know what? I, he, he did say, and maybe it's because I was sitting all the time as a truck driver. Mm. Uh, he did say that. So, so time went on, I had my blood work done, and then I got the notification of my blood test results. And a few other things were way, it would go, you have this little arrow, and it would go into green, yellow, and red. And um, triglycerides and something else was in the yellow. And then I remember my blood sugar was in the red. Mm. And then a notification, a message came in from the office 
says he wants to have a consultation with me. So I said, okay, two and two together. I know what he's talking about. I'm, I said, man, I'm a diabetic now. So anyway, so I go in. So I scheduled an appointment three weeks after this message um, before I went to go in to see him again. And so what I did, right then it just clicked on me. I said, you know what? I already know what's going to happen. I don't want to be on insulin. My job may be in jeopardy. I may not be able to drive. Um, I don't know what science has done between the time my mom was a, a diabetic and up until the time that I was diagnosed a diabetic. So I didn't know mm -hmm. what was going to happen. But I did know if it's too high and it's not controlled, that I can't drive. And that's everything. You know, I, I don't have a place to live. I got to find a place to live. I got to find another job. I got to maybe move back to Michigan. I don't know. So, um, so I started to do the research mm. and just started looking into reversing diabetes naturally without medication. Um, so I started looking into um, the main three that I found that was very motivating to me was one was called Beat Diabetes. And it was a testimony of other diabetics that's reversed diabetes. Mm. And when I seen a reversed diabetes, I thought it was chronic. Mm -hmm. So these are questions that I'm going to ask my doctor when I go back to see him in three weeks. But this is exciting for me and motivating. Maybe it's, it can, I can do something naturally. Yeah. And so, um, so it was called Beat Diabetes. And as I was looking at these videos, other videos related to diabetes would pop up. Um, I saw Dr. Jason Fung, uh, Fung um, Dr. Jason Fung, F-U-N-G, and Dr. Stan, Stan Ekberg, S-T-N-E-K-B-E-R-G. Um, mm. um, Dr. Stan Ekberg is a, a holistic doctor, which means he tries, uh, he doesn't, He's not, he's not against medications, but he, he's more towards naturally yeah. healing than he is um, using medication. Um, and then Dr. Jason Fung, he was a, di, uh, a kidney doctor who found out the relationship between kidney disease mm -hmm. and diabetes were related. High sugar causes kidney failure or mm -hmm. kidney disease. Mm -hmm. And so in, in all of this, I'm, you know, you can just put it on a playlist and then while I'm driving, I'm listening, I'm interested in all of these things. I'm like, are you serious? So I really got motivated into um, really understanding what diabetes is, mm -hmm. what causes diabetes. You have uh, um, type two diabetes, which is we cause it by our diets, mm -hmm. um, lack of exercise, um, and then you have type 1 diabetes, which is you either in your early adolescence, um, your, your pancreas stops, work, stops working. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't produce the insulin that you need. So when we're talking about type 2 diabetes, I'm not talking about type 1 diabetes. Okay. Beyond healing as a miracle, being touched by God and, and being healed by God, there's really no man-made way of reversing that type 1 diabetes that I'm aware of. So we're strictly talking about type 2 diabetes. And I want to say this, too, that I am not a doctor, mm -hmm. that I am not uh, any type of specialist or anything. Went to school for this. I did not. This is yeah. all about me and my research and what works for me. If anybody sees, watches these videos or hears this video, please consult your doctor before mm -hmm. you start any diet changes, anything um, related to what I'm talking about. I am not a doctor. Um, but this has worked for me. It mm -hmm. really has worked for me. I took my, my, um, my diabetes from average A1C from 7.5. I am now a 5.2. Wow. 
Wow. So I'm in a normal range now. It stays normal. I'm still my I still broke my system. Okay, we still break it. It takes 15 to 30 years to break what your body naturally does to control the blood sugar in your body. It takes a long time. Mm. Uh, when mm. I was first told I was uh, pre-diabetic, it was 2004. I became diabetic 2020. So that's what uh, 20 no um, 16 years. So. Uh, it took that long for me to break the system. Um, but it can be unbroken through diet, through exercise, and through knowledge and wisdom mm. and, and, and just gaining those things. So so, um, I don't so when you, like, during this time when you um, discovered, like, you're about to have this consultation and be revealed this news, like, physically, how were you feeling? Were you not exercising? Oh, were you eating poor? Like, what was life like? Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I so I used to exercise. I was a bodybuilder back in when I played football um, in junior high and high school and senior all up through that time. I used to exercise back and forth, back and forth. I really got into it in 2000 and, uh, 1985 for about two or three years. I really got into bodybuilding. So I've always known about exercise. And I did it all my, my whole life, back and forth. I, you know, life takes over and everything. So, um, so I've always been an exerciser. But when I started back, when I started back truck driving over the road in 2010, I got lazy. You know, because I didn't have the knowledge to know you could do exercises, or didn't want to know if you can do exercises. Yeah. I just drove and drove and drove. I would drink Mountain Dews and, and eat cakes and, and everything else is out there, just whatever was convenient because as a truck driver, uh, taking time to, to do something takes away from the miles that you're running, mm -hmm. your wheel's not turning, you're not making any money. So fast food, fast food, fast food, fast food, you know? So you go in, get your food, you go back out and you drive. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, and snacking. Uh, snacking, I, I believe, is maybe the number one thing that really triggered because you're consistently eating all mm -hmm. the time. Consistently eating all the time. So mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to lose track of the question that you yeah. asked me, but um, so my lifestyle before that. So, yeah, um, so no exercising, um, straight up just driving, not even walking, just driving and eating, driving and eating. And I think when I was diagnosed with diabetes in 2020, I was 262 pounds. Um, I've, I'm down to 215 now. Wow. Uh, close to, I think so, yeah. Between 215 and 220 now. So I've lost 40-something uh, odd pounds. Um, so yeah, my lifestyle back then, and um, I wasn't on the road as I am now. So you eat out on the road, you come home, you eat and you snack. And I, I was one that watched TV and eating potato chips and stuff like that. So what what breaks the system is consistently having high insulin throughout the whole day. Your body consistently tries to get rid of it through body waste and through other things, you know, just to try to get it out. But it can only do so much mm. before it turns it. So. So staying with the question that you said is that, yeah, um, no exercising, no nothing to do anything, just bad eating. It's just bad eating and yeah. consistently bad eating and consistently junk food, yeah. you know, all the time. Um, so when I went to my doctor, I started my journey <clears throat> doing the research and getting motivated. Okay, so I, the first thing I did once I learned 
a difference between sugar and carbohydrates. Your body processes the carbohydrates and turns it into sugar. Mm. So it's actually, when you're looking at a package and it says 25 grams of sugar, um, 25 grams of carbs, it's 50 grams of sugar. Mm. It's just how your body processes it. And that's how a lot of people get fooled. Okay, it's only three grams of carbs or it's only six grams of carbs or 10 grams of carbs, but it's 30 grams of sugar or uh, let's say 10 grams of sugar, but 30 grams of carbs, well, it's 40 grams of sugar. So what I did is I went into a regular truck stop and I did my regular um, what I would normally do. So as a meal before I went to bed, I used to get these tuna fish sandwiches that was cut in half, you know, little packages, processed foods, and um, a bag of potato chips. So I would get two of those sandwiches, a bag of potato chips, a pack of um, a Little Debbie chocolate donuts. And yeah, I, oh. <laughs> that would be my meal. And so, <laughs> yeah, donuts. yeah, that donuts. Um, so, and, and, um, and, um, what was it? Um, diet tea. So I have all of this stuff, but a diet tea. I'm all thinking, come on now, a diet tea. You're gonna eat all, all of this stuff, but a diet. It was funny. I used to go to McDonald's. I get two, two double cheeseburgers, a large fry, uh, 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 apple pie, and a diet coke. I was like, what did the diet coke? <laughs> you know? So anyway, so I added everything that I was eating before I went to bed, and it was close to 600 grams of sugar. Just that. Meal. How did you sleep? I know. <laughs> you, it's, it's, it's weird. Your body, it, it just gets, it gets accustomed to certain things, to certain lifestyle. And it, it, um, having high insulin, high blood sugar, puts your body, there's a, a hormone that's called cortisol, cortisol, and it's a stress hormone. And when you have high blood sugar, it, that stress hormone turns that, um, that extra sugar into fat. Mm -hmm. And it turns it breaks down muscle. It's a fight or flight hormone. When your body's in stress, when your body's in trauma, uh, if you get, let's say, cut, and your body reacts to that, it's for stress. If, you, if you're walking down the road in a dark night and the dog is barking and he's coming up to you, instantly your body goes into the stress and releases this harm hormone. It's a fight or flight hormone. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're actually putting yourself in this, um, this moment, this stress moment, when you are consistently um, subjecting yourself to extra sugar. So how did I sleep? I don't know. It wasn't good sleep. I know that. Um, so the diagnosis when during my research and the diagnosis my doctors used to tell me, you know, the fatty liver, it starts, the diabetes starts with the fatty liver. So if, if you feel pain in your side when you reach down to tie your shoe, or bend down to do something where you're, you're actually compressing this area here and you feel pain in your right side, that's letting you know you have a fatty liver. And mine was so bad, looking back um, during the research, I remember like if I was in the shower and I'm reaching out and washing my body, something like that, and I would feel this pinch. I was like, I didn't know what it was from. But then I remember my doctor saying, yeah, when you do the examination, you got a fatty liver. And in the research that I was doing, I figured out my, my liver was so fatty. It was enough room in that area that whenever you did this and the, the ribs would compress that area, it was going up against that. Mm. And I used to think, I said, why didn't my doctor tell me this? Maybe I should have done the research on it or maybe I should have mm -hmm. done this or that. So that was one symptom. Another one is inflammation. 
too much sugar in the body information. I'm sorry if I'm jumping all over the place. But no, no, like, this is good information. Go yeah. So, um, so it will get to the point where if, if you touched my leg, uh, like my shin, and I, I have small shins anyway, so, um, and you touch it, it's a spongy feeling. That is so much fluid and sugar in your body, it's settling. And all we do is drive in that truck and sit in that truck all day long. All the most of your body, your, your fluid is settling there, uh, swollen feet. I've seen drivers that um, they have, because of the excess sugar in their bodies, their, their skin is, 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 is actually breaking away. Um, how can I say? It's like a, a severe rash. Mm. Um, my doctor su uh, suggested I go to uh, a store and buy compression socks to control the sugar. But, I mean, to control the swelling. But since on my journey in this healthy eating, no more swelling. The swelling is gone. Mm. I don't have any of that. I don't wear compression socks anymore. Um, inflammation, and I used to have a pain in my right shoulder, my left shoulder, and a pain in my right knee every time I would get into the truck. And I would step on that step. It was I had to grab hold of something because the pain that was so much. That pain is gone. Wow. No more pain. Um, my blood pressure medication since I've been on is I uh, I took four high blood pressure medications. Um, now I'm down to one, uh, down to three, um, and we're 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 working on me um, going down to another one. It's mostly genetics, uh, with me being African American. Um, it's kind of in our in our DNA, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, God is the last word on everything. So if he says you're off me on medication and you're healed, then mm -hmm. you're healed. But right now we're working to yeah. get off of this medication as much as I possibly can. So um, um, what else is there? So the swelling of the liver. Oh, um, so I, up until 2017, 16, I was getting my eyes checked, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, you know how you just go in, you just get the vision checked, and then they they um, they do the um, when you do your glasses, they would do all of this stuff. So, but they always give you an eye exam before they do this. So, 2017, I was working for Dart, and I went into Walmart, had my eye exam because I, I needed a new pair of glasses. And um, so they noticed in my left eye that there was a little teeny spot in my retina. And they said, okay, well, you know, it's nothing too bad now. I think it was like, okay, so your eye sees the opposite. So the top of your retina always looks at the bottom. So it's like the vision of the bottom. So I had this, this little dot. And whenever I looked at a paper like this that had lines on it, if I would stare at it and look at it, you could see this like little loop in one of the lines. And, yeah, yeah, it wasn't severe. It wasn't something that was so, you know, it didn't affect my vision or anything like that, but it was just, you could just tell it was there. It wasn't in the center where the optic nerve connects to the eye, it was outside of that. And that's what I was seeing. Just every once in a while, just a little bit of blurriness. So they said, okay, it's not too bad. It should go away naturally. It might move on you. Gravity may pull it down, you know? It, it, <laughs> so it's just this like black dot in your... No, it was just, like a if you, if, let's say um, you ever woke up and, and like, um, like a little fuzzy on yeah. your pupil and you just kind of wipe your eye and it gets that distortion out the way. That's what it looks like, but oh. you just can't wipe it out. Just a little bit of a distortion. Yeah. So it wasn't like a little black dot that you're looking at in your eye consistently. No, it was like something blackish gray, but very tiny, Okay. you know, and it wasn't anything. Like I said, if you look at this, you just may see just a little bit of a shadow mm -hmm. on that, but that's what it was like. And that's what they were telling me that there was fluid building up under the retina 
but they said it's nothing threatening. You're not going to lose your vision and eye or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm at Walmart and I'm getting my eyes checked. And uh, so I said, okay. So I went and got my glasses. And they said, if it gets worse, you don't want to get it checked out. So every year that I got glasses, I think every two years, I get glasses, that spot would be there. Not any worse, but it kind of moved down a little bit, okay? So the last time when I was here and I moved to Hudson, um, I got my you know, vision here, my um, dentist is here, my doctor's here. So I went, all of this, every time I come into town, and I'm going to be off a couple of days is when I try to set up my doctor, dentist, and vision appointments around that time. So this is around the time when I'm with my doctor, I'm getting my vision and doing the dentist. And uh, so I go right down here on Main Street, and I go in and I take a look at this. Um, they took a look at my eyes, and they noticed a spot in there. They said, okay, well, we're going to send you to a specialist. I said, okay. So this is all in the same time when I get the blood work done, I get my vision checked, and I go to the dentist. Um, they send me to a specialist, the specialist off of Veterans Parkway. And he, they shoot dye into my, my uh, I don't know if I, yeah, they, they shot dye into my system uh, intravenously. And then they did an MRI on my eyes just to check that one spot out. And so what he told me was that after he looked at everything, he had me in his office, in, his, uh, in the chair, and he said, he, I sat there in the chair and it was a big screen just like this. And he said, Mr. Taylor, you see that right there? And I said, yeah. And he said, you see that little bump right there? And I said, yeah. He said, that's fluid building up under your eye. And he said, I said, yeah, it's been there for years. He says, is it worse or is it the same? I said, it's the same, but it's just in a different place where it was first diagnosed. And he said, okay. So well, we're going to keep a look on that. We want you to come back here in about uh, a month, and we'll take a look at it again. We may want to consider LASIK or anything, because if that gets bigger and if it detaches your retina, that doesn't heal. So we don't want it to get any worse, and we don't want you to lose any more vision, especially with your profession. I said, okay, okay. So now, in all of this time, I know that I'm a diabetic. I'm starting to change my diet. I'm starting back to exercising and living a healthier life. You know, I cut out all carbs. So what's your, like, go-to bedtime dinner next instead of the donuts and the diet oh, tea? Uh, and the, what? Well, I don't eat I don't eat before I go to bed. Okay. So um, I've, instead of eating three and snacking, now I do um, intermittent fasting and I do um, a keto diet. Okay. So, um, but let me finish this story first okay. and, then, and then we'll get into that. So... Um, so uh, um, I go see my doctor. Um, now remember the op- optometrist in the background. So I go see my doctor, and the first thing he does when I sit there. Now remember, I've already been in this diet for two weeks. Um, coming to see him, he walks in the door. He's got a bag of medicine in his hand. This is no joke. And he walks in and says, well, Mr. Taylor, you're a diabetic now. And I thought in my mind, I said, was he excited? Or is he, is he sad or is he concerned for me? I can't tell in his voice. So we're talking, he says, yeah, this, this, and this. And he says, and I said, well, what's that in your hand? He said, now remember, I've done the research. I know I can reverse this. I know I can do better. So he got metformin in his hand. And he says, says, this is metformin. I'm going to put you 500 milligrams. No, I think 1,000 milligrams at that time. In the research that I've done, I already know what metformin is and what it does. So I asked him, I said, so, Again, this is just me and the doctor. I'm not saying anybody else's doctor is this way. This is just my talk with my doctor. 
I asked him, I said, so what is that supposed to do? And he says, I said, does it cure me? He says, no, it just helps you get rid of the sugar. But I said, well, why would I want to do something that's going to give me, to help me get rid of the sugar when the body already naturally does it? If you have excess anything in your body, you get rid of it through waste. He's going to give me medication that my body already is naturally doing. Okay, so I said, well, I don't want to take that. I'm not going to take that. He says, okay. I said, I'll tell you what I've done, Doc. I said, I've, I've changed my diet. I started by exercising and I'm working out and all of these things. He said, I noticed you've lost five pounds already. I said, yeah. I said, I'm doing intermittent fasting and keto diet. Intermittent fasting is um, you can regulate your eating. It's amazing what the body does when you don't eat. Mm -hmm. So I started out with a 12-hour um, um, fasting where I eat once and I eat like lunch and then I don't eat again until, well, no, I started off 18-hour. So I, didn't, I eat lunch and then I don't eat anything else until breakfast. Um, I think that was, I don't know how, I remember how I started. But anyway, so I would cut down my eating, and then the less I ate, the longer I could go without eating. And that's where really my dieting came from, um, the low weight loss came from. So, and also was doing exercising. So my first exercising was doing push-ups. And then um, I started inventing ways of having, being able to do exercise in my truck, outside of my truck, using rubber bands. But anyway, I digress. So. He, he looked at that, he's seen that, he says, I said, I don't wanna take it. I said, Doc, let's just do this. The next time I have my A1C or my, my blood work done will be in three months. I said, if I don't get my blood sugar down and get it regulated to almost normal to normal, then I would take the metformin. But let me, give me this opportunity. And he said, okay. He said, but it's not gonna work. I said, what do you mean it's not gonna work? You're my doctor, you're telling me it's not gonna work. He says, it's not gonna work. He says, people have always said that and they always changed their mind and we went back in to do it. Mm. I said, okay, so anyway, I'm just gonna stick with what I'm saying because I'm determined. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of NewsBomb Transportation. NewsBomb is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on NewsBomb's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, Go to newspom.com or newspomjobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.